Hey guys, Hassan here. Just very quickly before we start, Guillaume and I have partnered up with Automation Boutique to write a brand new ebook for you guys called Going Beyond the Buzzwords. It's an amazing ebook that goes through all the things about automation, data, and processing that just simplifies the topics just in the way that we do all the time in Corporate Treasury 101. To pick up your copy, just go into the show notes and click on the link or go to the website and find the partners page where we have a link to the ebook there as well with Automation Boutique. And then here's the episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the third and final part of our full interview with Royston da Costa, where we discuss Treasury Dragons. In the episode of today, expect to learn what are Treasury Dragons, how to get involved there and how did it happen, what has been the most interesting thing from vendors that opened someone's eyes to how the space is progressing, what are the common mistakes vendors are making, and like always, much, much more. Royston has been absolutely lovely and definitely loves a lot about treasury technology and cybersecurity. As a member of the Treasury Dragons, that was to be expected. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. And with all that being said, please welcome Royston Da Costa. So, Royston, I want to switch over to uh, another passion of yours, something outside of all the amazing work you're doing at Ferguson with cloud-based systems and whatnot and cybersecurity. Uh, the Treasury Dragons, which sounds very, very cool. Uh, could you talk us through what that is and, and kind of how you got involved in it? Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest, it, it's coming up to two years, I think, in terms of being a Treasury Dragon. I was first invited by Mike Hewitt and uh, David um, Kellen to participate at the Dragon. Um, so essentially, is a panel of four of us on there. So it's David Kellen is the lead Dragon. He's an ex-treasurer, but now he's got his own consultant. Interim treasuring. Uh, we, we partnered with David on a, quite a lot of things. Oh, great. Already, actually. Yeah. And he was a trainer on our course in London, our training course, course in yes, London. Yes, I remember yeah. seeing something around. And then obviously there's um, Kira Killen, who is also a treasurer for startup um, based in the US. And you've got Andy Gifford, who's an ex-treasurer, but he now has his own consultancy. And there's myself at obviously Ferguson. But the, 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 the general kind of format's very similar to, if you know the kind of like the Dragon's Den or I think it's by British show Den or something. for our US listeners yeah it's a very British it's like Shark Tank yeah Shark Tank. Shark Tank that's it and the only difference is it, we're not putting up our own money here and it's mm-hmm. not as um, well because of that reason I guess it doesn't have to be that ruthless but we do put the well, at least Mike's very good Mike who's the uh, kind of the moderator puts the uh, the vendors to their paces they have literally seven minutes to present and three minutes Q&A but what's so great about this, and bear in mind, this was started before the pandemic. So certainly through the pandemic, it's a great uh, uh, sort of opportunity for uh, anyone. It still is, frankly, for anyone who doesn't want to necessarily engage with uh, a, a vendor directly to kind of 
had a bit of to conduct a bit of window shopping, you know, mm. quite uh, kind of uh, in a relaxed way. So yeah, and and obviously as one of the dragons, I get this uh, firsthand unique opportunity of what they have to say and also to ask questions. So definitely very excited. And also excited about the the how they've evolved. You know, the solutions, the various solutions, because they're not. You know, there's there's probably a, a fair number of kind of very uh, popular recurring solutions that come up, uh, and you can see how they kind of change or how they progress from time to time. Super cool, super cool. So you, so the concept is you're these four dragons that are evaluating uh, these vendors that are coming on, similar to Shark Tank or Dragons Den. Um, these kind of style of shows, but for treasure. So it sounds super, super cool. Um, and you would have all through all that. What's the, like, have you seen, what's the interesting stuff that's come across yeah. the show? Has there been any solutions specifically that you were like, wow, that's, and again, we don't mind, as long as they're good and you would say genuinely you like them and you're not trying to sell something, I'm definitely interested in just to know and feel free to name, name drop. Yeah, I mean, do find though in the, in the industry, the same names come up from time to time. Because they just the way you know the, the the solutions work. So I thought there we had a session on cash pooling a couple of months ago, and I think all kind of I think there was three vendors in that case that presented. Cooper was one of them, which is the system we used. Iron Treasury and Cobase, and I thought that was one of the best sessions I was able to preside over as a dragon. I mean, to be honest with you, the standards are so high anyway. So. You know, you asked me to pick one. That's kind of one that, and cash pooling is a very hot topic as well. So it was just quite great to see these vendors kind of developing their solutions in, in the way they did. You know, there've been topics on bank connectivity, fraud and cybercrime, which is where I say NS Knox uh, also appeared on, which is particularly good. FX risk management, bank account management. There's, there's a whole host of other areas, which you know, frankly, when you kind of in one of the earlier questions you asked about, you know, where do I go if I want to try and educate myself or just to find out what's 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 going on? Well, this is another good venue or you know, I'm not kind of being unplugging it, but frankly, even if I wasn't on there, I'd be wanting to, to listen to that because first of all, you get to see the vendors kind of pitch their product in seven minutes. So you don't have to give up a whole hour necessarily to hear what they have to say. Then you also get an opportunity to ask questions online. So, in, and if they don't answer the questions straight away, they commit to answer them offline, if you like. So, you know, there's there's lots of reasons why it's quite a good avenue to, uh, to 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 take advantage of when if you're looking at a particular area, whether it's cash pooling, FX risk management, cyber fraud, to 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 see what's available out there. Super cool. Are there any industries? So you said that there are certain industries and certain names that keep coming up. Are there any industries? or maybe not industries, are there any companies, treasury topics or treasury areas that you wish you saw more of or you haven't seen anything innovative come through yet where it is needed? Yeah, I would say it comes down to, you know, where are the pain points, right? I mean, it's it's a classic case of, yes, we'd like to see more of that, but we want to see more of something that actually works. Um, okay. The pain point for treasurers, and certainly for us, is KYC, know your customer. And I'm the first person to say that. So <laughs> we had an interview two days ago where we asked the exact same question, I'll go live before this, and 
the exact same answer yeah. as KYC. And it's astonishing that we still have this challenge today where I know there are solutions that exist out there, but I don't think they necessarily work to the degree that we've got this challenge within the fintech industry. It's not their fault per se, where you know they have the they have a really great solution, but underneath that solution, they're completely reliant on the bank or the banks, because if it's cash pooling or it's uh, KYC or bank account management or even payments for that matter. There are some fintechs, like even the one that we use, for good, when we make our payments, although we need a bank, it works really well because it's using SWIFT. So we don't necessarily need, or I'll say need, we're not reliant on the bank in order to make sure that the payment is processed from our end, if that makes sense. And it's done very efficiently. But some of the other requirements like KYC, you can get a solution that says, oh yeah, we can help you with you know managing your bank account mandates and, and you can you know do this, that, and the other within our system. But then you're still behest to the bank because the bank might then say, well, but doesn't fit within our you know requirements. You have to kind of submit this form, or you have to do this, or you have to do that. And of course the fintech can't do anything about that. So you're kind of stuck then or decided with the fintech in what you can actually achieve even if you want it to be a bit more automated there's only so much you can do and then you're kind of at the well, not mercy but you're kind of reliant on not the banks and which bank you happen to be dealing with cash flow forecasting i have to mention that because although i've seen a fair number of solutions and i think this to be fair it's really incumbent on the corporates to try and address some of the challenges that we have. But as I said, I think early on, I am a firm believer that this next year with AI and what it's ha what's happening with AI, for the first time, corporates will begin to see a really decent solution in addressing the cash flow forecasting challenges that we face so far. Whether it's with a third-party provider or just using AI within their companies to facilitate position they get to where they can use a fintech to then kind of find it or complete the, the end part of that journey. I do see that at long last, that pain point that we've talked about for so long will start to crumble. I really believe I'm exciting. So if there's any vendors out there that are interested in coming up with the next money-making a product in treasury, then they should focus on KYC as a solution and a really good cash flow forecasting solution, uh, hopefully using AI, and then come on to the treasury dragons to uh, to try and then, sell it to Royston. Absolutely. <laughs> and not just me, hopefully all the other potential treasurers that might be interested in, uh, in that solution. Super cool. But, I mean, just to quickly mention, you know, in terms of treasury, there aren't there are a lot of solutions. There are you can you can you can kind of sign up. I mean, I say we've got thirteen cloud-based solutions, but you know, from a core treasury perspective, we've got a treasury management solution with Cooper. We've got our online trading solution with three hundred and sixty T, and you've got your bank confirmations using Finastra. So those are kind of three main ones that sort of typically get used regularly. But then you've got market data. So you, what I'm trying to illustrate here, I guess, is you, you can go through a long list of uh, solutions and vendors that, that, that exist to provide 
what I'd call fundamental data processes that you, you any treasury function requires. But in terms of what would be the next phase, what would be the next step? So one thing that I've kind of realized or I'm looking at is having 13 cloud-based solutions is not brilliant in my view because the simple reason, I mean, they do the job, don't get me wrong. And it's great that we have them because they certainly, they say they're necessary. But they're all separately connected to our network. So we have to, you know, log into the, the, the web browser or whatever. The data cloud is becoming a much bigger proposition in my view. And I think we're seeing more and more companies beginning to talk about, certainly the fintechs, about how you can access multiple solutions through one, almost like a single sign-on scenario. And I do believe that's the way forward because why shouldn't you be in a situation where you don't have to? And you can imagine how the banks, which I know it's a bit more kind of further away, but with the right technology, with the right you know that level of security around it, could then also partner on these same platforms. That KYC issue kind of goes away in one instant. Yeah, so you need to, so the KYC one. That's not what the episode is meant to be about, but maybe I, I'd like your insight on this as well. So every time I hear that complaint uh, about the KYC one, I'm like, well, why can't there just be one KYC form you fit in once, fill in once a year, and then everyone gets access to, you get a specific QR code or a specific, uh, you have a specific code on the KYC platform, and then everyone, all the banks or all the partners, it, there's, there's, it's updated, it's still valid for this year, and that's it. Well, that's, that seems like the simple solution, but that's too simple almost. No, I mean, why shouldn't it be? I mean, this is the point, isn't it? We need to, we need to dream, but we need to inspire, be inspired and, and look and ask those questions because that's the other problem. I think for too long, in Treasury at least, we've kind of accepted or settled, if I can put it that way, for what's available. And I want to answer that point about the you know, the point uh, the, the rationale behind why and I'm pro- I know you know this but there's twelve thousand banks or thereabouts globally, and I'm afraid although they collaborate Swift I mean that's rather arguable in Swift because you know each bank or there are some banks that don't use the same kind of um, fields as well, but they're notorious for not collaborating when it comes to yep. yeah anything what when you try and sort of ask the question with KYC why. I do agree there are regional challenges around regulatory requirements, so you can't really blame the banks for all of that. But there's no reason why a group of banks, and interestingly enough, they're beginning to do this with digital currency. So I can see, I, I guess there's an element like the age of, does it in my best interest, or, you know, what's the benefit for me is I guess how the banks approach. What's in it for me? Yeah. No. And so, so, but I do feel that that's an area they could, they could definitely work on. And improve. So that's where the regulations need to step in then, right? If if every single corporate is complaining about the same thing and the banks aren't regula- aren't doing it themselves due to inefficiencies in communication, that's the role of the regulator to come in and say, hey, no, look, we're going to establish a standardized KYC process that all banks in our region need to follow. Agreed. And I know that's mostly corporate banks, but let's not forget that 70% of this generation, 18 to 30-year-olds, don't have a physical bank account. What that means is that why do they need to open a bank account when it's so much easier to go on and open an e-wallet? Now, I know 
that's not realistic for corporates. But I'm just making the point that in time, that's true. If this isn't, I have, I have physical bank accounts. I don't use them. I just use my e-wallet accounts. Right. I have multiple, but I use all my e-wallet accounts. And my and banks, they, they just can't keep up. They don't offer the same. They don't offer the same services. Their user interfaces are just not as and easy to open. Tech. You can open them within five minutes or thereabouts. Yeah, face ID and it's done. It's, and then I can do everything in the app. But like, yeah. I, and actually, I have a, a couple physical bank apps, which aren't that bad. Actually, I could open yeah. them easily and everything like that. And I use them. But then just oh, I can't get my statements on the app. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I get my statements exactly. on the app? Or I can't do this kind of transfer on the app. Or I can't do this on the app. You have to log into the website. I'm like. Uh, I just transfer my money into the other account and then do what I wanted to do there. It's as simple as that. And so this is one a very good point you raised. And this is where I kind of come from when I think of any challenge, whether it's specifically on treasury or personal. You know, we're living in an age where there are alternatives and solutions to make life so much easier and simpler. So at some point, you kind of have to ask yourself, either... If you're of my generation, do you continue to accept this state of affairs when you know there's a better way? But then you've got a new generation of treasures coming to the workplace. Don't even ask that question. No. There's only one way. It's frictionless, no. efficient, speedy, no. etc. So Illinois, that's where yes. the old generations have seen worse. <laughs> That's what I meant about when you know, so those companies that didn't see the writing on the wall. I feel the same applies now again. If people or, or companies, banks, whatever they are, don't see what's you know what's happening around them, what's coming up, yeah, they could be in for a big surprise. Yeah, super interesting indeed, Marissa. Um, and then I had one last question for you on the dragons. What's something? What's the mistake that all vendors make? when they come on or the most common mistake you see with vendors coming on. Uh, so they make this like a behind the scenes of the treasury dragons, like Royston DaCosta getting interviewed about what he has consistently seen vendors. And this is the clip that then vendors, when they come on the dragons in the future are going to look at and say, Hey Royston, you said we should do this. Here we go. What is that? What is that tip? Okay. This is a classic mistake. And frankly, this is, Sad to see it happens not just with the vendors, but even with banks. It's an age-old concept, right? If you're trying to sell a product or service, first of all, ask your customer what they want. Right, so I was expecting something uh, super innovative. Oh, yeah, and right. And then okay, no, heard. no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's simple, basic 101, treasury 101. Ask the client what they want. But I tell you what, at your, you'll split... The, the audience 50-50 here, because let's say 50% say, oh, okay, maybe even less, but let's assume this 50 -50. The 50 said, no, but we do do that. Well, the next mistake, or in my view, that's made is when they get the answer, they automatically either put that answer into make it fit within their solution. So what you get in response is, okay, you've asked for this. This is what we we can give you, but it's not answering where my, the, the, the problem I've got. Or they make an assumption that's what you've asked. In other words, it's about communication. So, and 
there are only a few vendors I've come across that have done this really well, really successfully, and banks for that matter, where they take the time, invest the time to first of all find out what you want. When you've told them what you want, they come back to you and say, if I've understood you correctly, I think this is this is what you've said. Or they will kind of question you and say, okay, specifically what are you trying to solve for? I think problem has been the way general I'm not I'm not a salesman, but I think generally with sales it's a more case of well if you say you want that orange to be pink or even a blue, right, okay, I'll just write a check out, I'll paint it blue for you. Rather than say, why do you want that orange to be blue? What's the purpose? And and only one vendor or at least one person I'll mention is embarrassing a bit. So yeah. Martin Bellin. An icon in the treasury industry is the only person that I've come across who had actually challenged us when we first came across his solution and said, but we want it done this way. And he said, why? And it's not that he was being confrontational. He actually genuinely wanted to understand the reason. And actually it was quite refreshing because what that taught me personally was that in, it's, it's, it's more important about getting the end result than how you get there doesn't have to be the way you've always done it or the way you've done it in a particular way. If you get that result that you're looking for, what does it matter if you go route B versus route C? And that also shows understanding as well, understanding of your problem. And, 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 and it's kind of a neat way of helping. Because at the end of the day, every solution is different, obviously. But the value you can get out of solving the problem, that pain point, it's, it's insurmountable, actually. It does get a lot of goodwill out of the corporate as it did with us, trust, relation building. And, you know, this works equally well with banks. But unfortunately, and I know this, we're not talking about banks here, but just to kind of relate my comment there, quite often, you know, banks are, you know, uh, let's say, you know, instructed or whatever to, to sell a product. And, you know, sometimes you can't lose I think like the, not only that, the goodwill potentially from the customer, because how's that solving the pain point I've been telling you about, whether it's, whether it's a KYC or payment or something else. And you're kind of like, well, I don't like to talk about that. So we'll just put that to one side, but I've got this amazing product. Yeah, but that's not what I'm concerned about at the moment. And as I say, coming back to the vendor, this is, this is where I say, listen more to what treasures are asking for. Or be bold and ask them what it is they want. So I, did, I remember doing a project management training in my early parts of my career. And the, the trainer gave a very great example inside the workshop of how people, how you think you've communicated what you're doing properly, but in reality, people perceive things very differently. And the exercise he made us do was, um, he split us into four groups and four different tables, five, six people on each group. And he said, he gives all a piece of paper and he said, okay, write down all the words that you associate with trust to each group, okay? So we all wrote down, okay, trust means a communication, trust means this, trust means this, trust means this, right? And so he gave us all 10 minutes to do that or whatever. And then he he wrote up, he made a square on a on his flip chart and he got, he wrote, he said to each table. And so while we were doing, he also said, don't listen to each other's, don't shout it too loud, but all that kind of stuff. He wrote out, um, he got each table to write out all the words that we associated with the trust. 
So in each square, and trust means communication, trust means this, trust means this, trust means this. Across the four squares, there was not a single word that was common. Wow. And there's about, there's about 50 words on that board. Wow. Not a single word was common. That's incredible. And we were amazed. We were absolutely amazed. I mean, before he started writing, he said, how many do you think will be in common? And we thought, oh, come on, like 40% at least. Yeah. Right? And he said, zero. And he said, every time we do this exercise, maybe one comes up sometimes. But in reality, every single time, the same thing happens. And the lesson from that was, just because you think you've communicated, hey, I want trust, I want to establish trust, for example, um, doesn't mean that the other person's definition of trust is your definition of trust. Right. So likewise, just because you say, hey, I want this, yeah. doesn't mean that the other person understands what this really is. Correct. And you need to say back to the person, hey, so I understand that you want this, 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 which means this, 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 this. And it goes, well, no, not quite that. I actually want this and I actually meant this. And so that level of just what you said right there, relating back, hey, this is what I understand that you want. Yeah. And making sure that you're on the same page about understanding what cash flow forecasting tool is. So, okay, why do you want a cash flow forecasting tool? What's missing in your current cash flow forecasting yeah. tool? What is it that you're actually trying to achieve from a cash flow for my, uh, forecasting tool that is solving the pain point in your business? What is the pain point that you see day to day? Okay, why is a cash flow forecasting tool the one that's actually going to get you there? What's missing in your current one that's stopping you from getting there? It was a very powerful lesson. It, stick with, it was years and years and years ago, and it really sticks with me to this day because I was so gobsmacked that not a single word was the same. It is quite incredible. But that's, again, like you said, a very powerful analogy and example how it holds true. But yeah, and it's not, as you say, it's not rocket science. It's just a kind of basic uh, um, yeah. sales 101, I would imagine. But um, yeah. And, um, Royston, thank you so much for coming on the show. Super, super informative discussion. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add on any of the topics that we've discussed that perhaps we didn't give you the opportunity to say or? Yeah, well, you know what? I wasn't going to say. We didn't really talk about ESG, and I get that's not one of those topics that appears at the top of everyone's certainly treasures list. But I do believe it's a huge topic for obvious reasons. I know we haven't got enough time to cover all of those components, but at the very least, I come back to this next generation of treasures that's in the workplace and going to kind of slowly but surely move forward. It's what they care about most. And rightly so. Rightly so. I mean, apart from the EBIT and the S and the G, there's also now a new statistic I've heard, which is by 2030, the drinking water globally is going to reduce by 40%, is why I picked up on this, this conference recently. So, you know, whichever way you look in terms of the environment, we need to take more accountability for it and we can not just in terms of individuals but as treasurers by trying to make sure that we look at sustainable products but the social bit is a game changer because just particularly since the pandemic and i grew up in an era where we weren't able to work remotely and we weren't able to have that work-life balance but we all know today's generation will not tolerate anything less than that which is good i'm a big fan of that but it's not just that it's also about the diversity and inclusiveness that brings along with it unfortunately in my view treasury has never been a big kind of you know proponent of and I, when I, i'll give you an example so very proud that ferguson do a fair bit of training around this area they've had menopause training we've had training about unconscious bias we've uh, 
mental health. It's really trying to capture, uh, make sure all groups are included. But it's important. It's important because particularly as we look at today's world, especially since the pandemic, we cannot afford to ignore that, you know, these are important factors and potential requirements that people are looking for. But also, I believe it adds in many respects to productivity and, again, talking about balanced work life, also mental health. So, yeah, and then governance, clearly, that to me has always been the catalyst for trying to make sure that we get these very positive changes into the workplace uh, much faster. But that's the only thing I, I want to quickly add. No, that's great. We did a, we've done a few episodes on ESG, if people are interested to listen more. We did one with uh, Etienne Chalmage, where we really talked about can Treasury have a real ESG impact and how you go about that. That was episode 128. We had uh, Alex from Fitch Ratings. Oh, yeah. Uh, director of Fitch Ratings, who yeah. talked about the Fitch ESG score yeah. and uh, how that relates to Treasurers and whatnot as well. And we had uh, Leanne Perkins talk a lot about diversity in the workplace and whatnot okay. as well. So. We have done quite a few episodes on it, but happy to have you on again in the future to talk about it more and specifically around that whole thing about how does Treasury really play its part in that in the ESG world as well. Yeah, I mean, happy to do that. Again, I have views about it. I don't know. I have seen enough of how much. Yeah, no, sure. I think I can talk to it about what I see Treasury doing. And I was honestly within Ferguson, it's mostly from a corporate perspective because, I mean, within Certainly, the UK. I'm the only person in Treasury, but there's a lot. Uh, there's there's a fair bit of information. In fact, I'm on a. I'm going to be doing a panel session with um, Bank of America on ESG, and one of their um, guys. I forget his surname. Craig's on there from Fitch. So um, they seem nice. like um, quite a. Yeah. No, 100%. Royston, appreciate you a lot. Thank you so much for coming on the show.